This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Analyzing Everton, your tactics and analytics podcast courtesy of the Royal Blue Channel. Um, I'm David Hughes, of course, and I'm joined by, again, as always, Josh Williams. Josh, I know how you are because we've spent all day with you, but <laughs> for the people listening, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Yeah. As always. As always. Um, on today's show, we'll we'll take a look back at United, uh, which already feels a fair time ago now, but we'll, uh, we'll have a delve into that game. Um, we'll look into the heartbreak that was Leicester. I must say I'm not over that one yet, to be honest. Um, then we'll have a quick chat about Carlo Ancelotti, as he, uh, he does look to be the new man at Goodison Park. Uh, and then we'll, we'll preview Arsenal as well, which is poised to be an interesting game. I think it's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, two, two clubs in the state of flux at the minute. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, both looking for new directions to take. So I'm not sure which club will have that direction in place by that point. No, but, uh, you know, it'll be an interesting matchup, yeah. It looked like it was going to be Arsenal, but it seems like they're stuttering a little bit. Um, but we'll we'll save that the, for the, later. The word is that it'll be announced Friday. Friday. The Arteta news, you uh, know. We're, we're speaking as of Thursday afternoon, aren't we? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, maybe by the time you listen to this, it's being announced. Um, but yeah, anyway, we'll we'll have a look at United. Uh, a 1-1 draw at Old Trafford, which obviously on paper isn't a, isn't a bad result at all. Um I have to say, Josh, call me smug, but I think we called this one how it kind of went, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, you know, United are obviously renowned for, well, not, not so much renowned, but they've clearly had struggles this season in terms of breaking teams down. I think mm. if you go toe-to-toe with them, they can use use those spaces that you'll obviously afford, but I think teams that aren't willing to afford those spaces, United tend to be a little bit clueless, especially without... The likes of Paul Pogba, who's maybe a bit more creative in deeper areas. United haven't really got those players, so mm. I think it was very sensible from Everton's perspective to place the emphasis on United to create, and they, they clearly struggled to do so. Well, to an extent, at least. I mean, they had a fair amounts of shots, which we'll get to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I was very confident about this game. As I said, it wasn't necessarily that I knew we were going to win. I just I was confident for Everton to get a result. Um because of basically everything you've just said there, Josh. Um, United are a great counter-attacking side, which is why they seem to get results in these bigger games. But when the emphasis is on them to create, they don't they don't seem to do very well. Um, they had 63% possession on the day. Um, and yeah, you, you, you did mention it there. In terms of the shots, they did have 23 shots, which is a lot. Um, eight of which were on target. Uh, Everton only had nine, four of which were on target. The game finished in terms of XG. Everton, uh, 0.39. And United, uh, 1.77. Now, I must say that's, um, that's using a, a particular company's metric. Yeah, I'll get up the, uh, the accurate one, eh? Yeah, we, uh, we have more than one because we have a few issues with our data provider, uh, which we won't name, but... We just like to try a few others and see what's a little bit more, more so accurate. The provider that we consider as more reliable had United at 1.6, Everton at 0.3. Um, so not too far off, to be fair. No. Um, but see, on paper, that would probably say Everton were fairly lucky. Obviously, their goal was an own goal as well. Yeah, um, that's that's certainly a... Um, I, 
well, you'd probably go down the route of a dominant performance from Manchester United, but having said that, 1.6 expected goals from 23 shots mm. suggests that your shots were kind of um, punts, yeah, like, from unrealistic areas and things like that. Mm. I think there was, yeah, I agree. I was gonna say, I think there's two important, important factors to it. I think you're right. The for me, watching the game, they created very few clear cut chances. You know, it seemed to be an accumulation of of um, of shots from shots from distance. Or even the goal itself was obviously a a, a distance from a shot from outside the box by Greenwood. Um, Just looking at the um, the shot map here, virtually every shot is about a realistic chance of about maybe. No point, no five. So they scored five attempts every one hundred. Yeah. Um. I think thirteen of the of the twenty three attempts came from outside the box. So it's actually you know it's it doesn't it's frustration, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't paint an accurate picture of the game, really, does it? And I think Everton can be fairly satisfied with with restricting United to those kind of shots. I mean, what was the what's the biggest xG there? The one that's close to six yard box. Yeah. The the it looks as though they have they had one chance close to the six yard box, very central. Jesse Lingard yeah, on the, the game. in fact yeah inside the first minute. Yeah, that's an expected goals of zero point four eight. So that chance is scored roughly once every two shots. Mm. So that was um, a big chance. I don't actually remember that shot. Yeah, I, I do remember. Actually, it I was a big chance. A, have a look now. Yeah, have a little gander. But why? Why she doing that? Um, yeah, it was. It was actually Everton's lowest. XG um, for about two years, which was quite surprising. But yeah, but what I will say is, in fairness, this is where game narrative comes into it, and you know you've always got to uh, provide everything with with context. And for me, obviously, Everton take the lead after just just past the half hour mark, so they had something to protect there, didn't they? I think there's there's less need to then go out and go out and attack. Yeah, I think. I think Duncan Ferguson is, is maybe of that perception that um, I mean maybe it stems from just the players that he's got available to him. Obviously, Everton at the at the minute are gonna be the weaker team most weeks simply because they've got how many injuries is it? Seems too many to count. Yeah, I yeah. So I think it's a case of basically being realistic with what you've got. If you do take a lead, then rather than open up. Rather than opening up, just um, basically sit on that, which, from an analytics perspective, isn't generally particularly advised, because it doesn't tend to bode particularly well, believe it or not. But um, I can see why he's doing it. Yeah, I can see why he's he's deeming that as you know the sensible approach, if you like. Well, yeah, he's been he's been very much you know back to basics and risk adverse, hasn't he? Um, and that was the case at Old Trafford. But I di- I'll be honest, I, I didn't have many complaints. But what I'm interested to know though is whether he's doing that, as I said, because of the weakness of the squad at the minute. Mm. Very few available players and things like that. Mason Holgate's obviously playing in the centre midfield. Mm. Or whether he'd used that game and that approach if he had a fully fit squad. Do you know what I mean? So it's difficult to actually gauge. Like, would would that be his style in the game or is it a forced one? Yeah, are we seeing his style here or are we seeing. Just a short-term means of tackling a squad problem. My opinion, and we'll come on to Ferguson in a sec, is it is very much just kind of 
picking up results, even if it's not wins, it's just about getting getting results, you know, at these difficult places to go. Okay, Old Trafford isn't what it used to be, but it's still somewhere that you want to go and get some sort of result. You don't want to lose there. And I think that's his... He, he would have took the draw before um, before kickoff, And I think once they go 1-0 one, one ahead, you know, Everton have, Everton have took the lead a lot and threw it away. And I think it was important for them to to not throw this one away. You know, obviously Leicester a few weeks ago, they took the lead and ended up getting sucker punched at the end. And I think it was really crucial that Ferguson knew that they needed to get something out of that game. And that's why he maybe went so reserved. Um, but while we're talking about Ferguson, has he been a little bit more shrewd tactically than perhaps we expected? Uh, I'll give a bit of context to it. Obviously, I've put here, which might be a little bit harsh, but Apple is he's perceived as a little bit of a cheerleader. Um but obviously in that game he tricked United a little bit, didn't he, with his with his team selection. Um he went four four two with Holgate. There was no there was no inkling that, that was gonna happen. Um and he just I don't know, he just seems to be a little bit more when he talks about the game in um press conferences, he just seems to be a lot more clued up than maybe I was expecting. Yeah, it's difficult to gauge that one. I mean, the little Holgate change I absolutely loved. I mm. thought that was genius. Yeah, to, to start Holgate in the back five, and then as soon as the match kicks off, Holgate pushes up ten yards. Yeah. I thought that was genius. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah, because you, you forget, don't you? That it, it's not as if at the kick off they were lined up. As you said, he was in the he was in the back five, wasn't he? And then he just plopped. Them yeah, up. but the fact the fact he's even thought to do that mm. tells me that he's the type anyway to look at the opposing team and adjust accordingly based mm. on what they're doing because he's obviously thinking that Solskjaer and Mike Field are going to do that based on his formation. Yeah. So he tricked them initially by setting up in a back five mm. which will influence what they're thinking. Yeah. And then they switch to a four four two immediately and it immediately puts Solskjaer and, and, and his coaching team on the back foot. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's really cl- clever, you know, adjusting. And it, suddenly, as you said, they're on the back foot. They've got to adjust their tactics and try and um, reconfigure. Because, um, you, you know, before the match, Solskjaer's pre-match instructions to certain players and, and things like that will change depending on whether you're coming up against the back five or a back four. So... It, it 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 can immediately set you back if if you've planned for a certain system and it comes out a different way. That's why, you know, see for example, Mourinho was so ahead of the curve when he first came to England. It's because his approach, his style of play, was just match to match. Who are we facing? Adjust accordingly based on their strengths mm-hmm. and weaknesses, and that was why he was so ahead from match to match. M- managers have caught up, teams have caught up a little bit now in that regard. But I thought it was a, a really clever move from yeah. Ferguson's. I, t- I mean, I totally agree. I echo it. He's, um, he's, he's. I'll be honest. He's done a lot better than I, uh, than I've expect. I expected. Um, you know, Everton's last kind of interim manager they had was David Dunsworth, and he had little to no impact on the side when they were struggling. He continued on a down, downward spiral, and there was little response from the players, and performances weren't that great. Now he's come in, and he's took this like back to basics approach. Um, He's probably benefited from playing sides who want to try and control the ball, meaning that there's no emphasis on Everton to attack. But um, if, if if you're looking at kind of an interview period, I think he's done really well. And I don't know about you, but I think he's he's definitely got a future as a manager on the back of what I've what I've seen here. 
I think for me, he's got a future in management, but not Premier League level for me. At all? No. Okay. Um, just simply because, I don't know, certain things he's done, it, it, it's difficult because, as I've said, he's had a weak squad, he's dealing with problems at the minute, mm. players are injured, he hasn't got players for certain positions, Mason Holgate's in central midfield, so it's difficult to, to actually assess what his game is, what he'd do in a normal week or whatever. But just certain things he's done, I've just looked at and thought, that's of a different generation, that particularly, for example, the Keane treatments, which we'll get to. Yeah, yeah. But that was just, you don't do that no more. It's it's mm. dinosaur. And um, um, I don't know, just sitting on the lead once you've got it and defending, up, you know, for as long as you can sort of thing, that hanging yeah. on thing. If he's doing that, if he would do that on a normal week, again, it's it's like it, it is back to basics and it is functional, but it's it's got a ceiling. Yeah, do you see what I mean? No, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I don't want to come across as hard. No, you don't. No, listen, what you're saying is totally correct. I'll play devil's advocate and say I just wonder whether it that is um, the situation that Everton are in. He's taking that approach. You know, if he if he was within a role where he had a fully fit squad and he had a longer sample size as well, obviously he hasn't managed that many games. You know, would we see a little bit more modern day coaching? I think the remit does seem to be right. I just need to get results. Uh, I haven't got a lot of quality in terms of playing personnel to get them. Um, I thought the keen thing was. I mean, it's been well documented now. People, obviously Thursday by the time we're recording. People are probably sick of talking about it. We will address it. Um, more so just Keane in, in general. Um, in fact, you know what? We'll do it now and then we'll come back to Keane in a little <laughs> bit. What was your opinion of it all? I didn't like it, personally. So did you did you catch any of the uh, Monday Night Football analysis that Carragher done? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it didn't change your opinion? Um, I it didn't say, change mine. I, I, wouldn't, I, know say, my I wouldn't say it changed my opinion. I, mm. I am fully willing to embrace different perspectives on it. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do understand from a managerial perspective, it can be frustrating if a player gets on the pitch and clearly just doesn't know where he's supposed to be. Mm. And I think from Ferguson's perspective, it's looked like that. Mm. He's went on the pitch and thought he's playing left wing by the looks of it. Yeah. Swapped with Richarlison. And then before he knows it, he's playing up top because he hasn't got the lungs to get back because mm. of the sprints he's doing. And Calvert-Lewin's getting forced out wide and yeah. Ferguson's forcing him backwards, but he hasn't got the energy to do it. And so mm. I can understand. I can understand. But I just think... I just think it was it was poorly dealt with. I think I think it was um, like Ferguson for me. Well, not even for me. Ferguson is an interim manager at the minute. Mm. He's in charge simply to hold the fort. Mm. And I think to do something like that, to make an example of um, a thirty million pound nineteen year old kid mm. for the sake of securing one point, mm. just didn't think it was worth it. Um, I think there's long-term damage that he might be accepting there. Yeah. And I think even when he came off the pitch, don't even acknowledge him. Not a word in his ear. Mm. A, a kid who's coming to a foreign country. I just think, you know, as I, as I said, he's holding the force. He's just keeping Everton st- as stable as he can until the next man comes in. I think from that perspective, it was a bit of a silly... As I said, um, 
old, old Premier League move. Yeah. It was a bit like uh, something Graham Sooners would do. Mm. I think Carragher's said plenty of times when he's been asked about why haven't you gone into management. His perspective is like, he, he just thinks he, he, he'd, he'd be too arsed, sort of mm. thing. Um, I think Mourinho's been a bit like that with the likes of Luke Shaw and people mm. in the modern day are a bit like, you can't do that sort of thing. And yeah. I get why certain people will want that harshness and that like no nonsense thing, but you got to do it at the right times with the right players. And I don't think this was um, a well thought out move. No. I think he he may have regretted how the intricacies intricacies of how it was handled. Yeah, I agree. My uh, my simplistic view on it really is, I, I, I suppose I, I, if he's going to make the change, I get it um, because he obviously. Keane was struggling, but he made he just made a huge error in not pulling to one side. Did he come off, give him a little hug or something, or just whisper in his ear? You know, we'll chat about it later. Not nothing personal. If that's what he's trying to make out. Um, I think had that happened, we wouldn't even be talking about it. To be honest, I think we'd be a bit yeah. like, "Oh, that was strange," but you wouldn't really think about it. Whereas, um, obviously, it become a big thing and shadowed the results slightly. But you know, as we'll come on to in a bit with Leicester, he. Um, he played in that game. I, I, I don't think it's it's become a major issue. Um, it looks like it's probably being dealt with in house, which is good uh, because obviously Keane is, is someone that the club has paid a lot of money for, and he probably does need an arm around the shoulder. I, I must say, f- from Keane's perspective, I thought it, it showed a bit of naivety too. F- from it, you can clearly tell that he's still learning the game, still a kid, still learning how to apply his game. Because to to comp- I, I can understand why he's done it because it's it's admirable in a way mm. to completely burn yourself out <laughs> to the point that you can't run anymore. Yeah. But it is silly, yeah. really, when you look at it. And I think one of the most efficient players in the division at the minute is Jamie Vardy. Mm. Really, really uses his energy and his game efficiently. Mm. Um, makes the right ones when he has to. Not constantly buzzing around, pressing on his own. Mm. And I think Keane needs coaching in that way so that he can just. Make as I said, make his game a bit more efficient and use his qualities when 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 they're needed, rather than just blowing himself out. Basically, I totally agree. One thing I did say, I, I wrote a piece uh, early in the week in the Echo, just about the whole situation, which um, it went out on Tuesday, so it was a bit late to be honest. Um, but that's that's irrelevant. Uh, I basically said in it that it's important to remember that Keane has obviously come from Juventus, where they tend to control and dominate matches. And as an attacker, there'll be little to no emphasis on him to perform any defensive actions, really. Um, whereas at Everton, you know, for example, Calvert-Lewin is expected to press the ball. You know, he's work hard, out of possession, uh, harry defenders. And so that's part of his game where I don't think Keane has developed or had much coaching in that. Um, yeah. So it's something that Everton should be aware of. And maybe he isn't the person you should be putting on who's going to have to do defensive work. Yeah, that's a good point. I, th- I think he's he's came on, and he's he's wanted to show that he's going to try hard, and he's mm-hmm. wanted to be energetic and, and prove a point and all things like that. But you know, Old Trafford is a massive pitch, mm. and he's obviously not played a great deal recently, so he hasn't got. I don't think he's even if he was playing every week as well. I don't think he's got the engine that Calvert Lewin's got mm. in terms of stamina. Mm. So as I said, just to to blow yourself out to that extent. You can see why he's done it. He wanted to impress, but he needs coaching in that regard. I think. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll park the keen chef for now because we'll come back onto him a bit. Looking at his uh, cameo against Leicester, just quickly before we move on to Leicester, um, were you impressed by Holgate? 
all things considered. I was, yeah. yeah. I was. I thought he... Um, one of the things I was really impressed with on the day from Everton's central midfielders is the... They really seem to anticipate, um, like, line-breaking passes mm. before they came. And once they were hit by the likes of maybe Jaime Maguire or Lindelof mm. towards the feet of Martial, they'd get intercepted on the way. Yeah. And I thought Holgate, maybe with his defensive background, playing in central midfield, he did really seem to anticipate and, you know, expect where those passes were going to go. And yeah. he'd intercept and then allow Everton to, to basically get on the move. Yeah. No, I, I thought yeah. he played well. Yeah, I totally agree. I've got, I've got some numbers here for them. He um, won six of his eight defensive duels, won two and two aerial duels, uh, made eight interceptions, 12 possession recoveries. Uh he actually had three shots, two of which were on target, which I was surprised about. <laughs> didn't um, pick up on that no, one. No, I didn't. Um, won three of his six offensive duels and completed 15 of his 22 passes. I mean, on the whole, that's a good performance by an, um, by any central midfield, never mind a centre-back in central midfield. So, was disciplined, wasn't it? Disciplined, yeah. And it's... Um, Do a job. You know, ev- Everton needed someone to stand up, uh, stand up there and... You know, get them out of a hole a little bit because they had no midfield and he did it. So, yeah, fair play to Holgate. Um, and a good point all in all for Everton, really. Um, <sighs> Leicester. <laughs> we'll move on to it. Uh, yeah, they, it, it hurt me this one, to be honest. Um, Leicester played well. I think that's inf- important to point out. It was a tough game. Um, a lot of people are thinking we're expecting a robust atmosphere and um, Everton to kind of all guns blazing. I guess, um, but we have a look on the day. The uh, Leicester won the XG one point six two to Everton's one point zero three. Um, they outshot Everton thirteen shots with five on target compared to Everton's eight with three on target. Um, but what I did like was obviously Everton come back from two 0 down. They looked dead and buried, but now are gone. And we've spoke before, haven't we, about Everton's weak mentality through the side and. Um, I just wonder whether maybe Ferguson's changed a little bit of that, a little bit more belief. Well, th- those comebacks—that that's what tends to happen when a club is aligned from mm. top to bottom. Mm. When you know the supporters on the side mm. believe in the team mm. and the manager, and you kind of like become one force sort of thing. Yeah, those comebacks happen. Yeah, um, you know, as we saw across the park at, at Anfield mm. this season and things like that. So. You know, we 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 said last episode that Ferguson might not be the one, might not be the man for the job, but he has certainly offered an insight into into what Everton needs and mm-hmm. what what Everton what value as a club. And I think that that tying into that like that one force thing where yeah. the, the whole club is aligned from top to bottom, I think is certainly something that the owners should look into and try and try and harvest. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um yeah, so it was a, it, it was it was great to see him come back. Anyway, obviously a a, um, a last minute goal by Baines, which is very circa twenty twelve. Um, but it was good to see. Obviously penalty heartache, but it's a lot at the end of the day, isn't it? There's not much you can do. Um, so there's plenty of positives to take from the game. I do want to touch on <laughs> again, Keane, um, just because. Maybe with Old Trafford still fresh in Ferguson's memory, he uh, he brought Keane on at half-time. And he, he didn't have a huge impact, I'll be honest, Josh. He, um, in fact, I've got some numbers here. So he, um, 
He had one shot in the whole half, which was off target. He completed one cross. Uh, he attempted three dribbles, none of which were successful. Uh, he won just two of his eight attacking duels. He had no touches in the penalty box. He received just two passes in the game. And he made just four passes. And only two were successful. I mean, it's... It's not great, like... No, it's not uh, great, is it, really? No, I mean, it, I, he did one of those crosses, I think, that he did hit. I think it, it did assist a shot. I think... Uh, I can't remember who got on the end of it. Was it Calvert-Lewin or someone? It might have been, yeah. It was yeah. a header. Oh, it, yeah, it, just headed over, was it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I suppose if that goes in, you can label that as he comes on 45 minutes, he gets an assist. Fair, but, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I do, I do think he's he's had a bit of a tough start, but it, it has to be put into perspective that he is 19 in a foreign country. I'm not entirely certain he's been particularly well coached, mm. and I'm not particularly certain he, he knows how to apply his game best. Mm. Um, I think he, he will, more than any other player, Embrace the fresh start that that is maybe on the horizon at Everton. Well, this uh, is what in I terms of new regime. This is what I wanted to ask you, right? Do you think he, and if you were Everton now, because I don't, nobody should be writing them off. I've seen a few people do that. No way should you be doing that. Um, but would you potentially look at a loan next month, or would you see how we adjust to life under Ancelotti first? No, there's, there's no way I'd look at a loan, like personally. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think I don't know. It, it really depends on what he's like behind the scenes. It, it depends how well he speaks the language. It depends how fit he is, mm. um, and things like that. How well he trains, how willing he is to to listen, how willing, how coachable he is. Mm. Because the the incidents at Old Trafford, it, it did slightly offer offer an insight into whatever Ferguson and whatever instructions he's been given on the sideline. He, he's well on the pitch and just um, you know. Not really took note, really, has he? No, I mean, yeah. I mean, I I struggle with Ferguson's accent sometimes, to be fair. So I yeah, can imagine I mean, what it's yeah, like that, being that, Italian. That's a good point. That's um, a good point. But but yeah, no, I I agree. Yeah, there's. I just I, I, if I don't want people to be feeding the narrative of like suddenly he's a bad ego, he doesn't concentrate, doesn't listen. I don't think that's the case. It's just hard, isn't it? You know, it, it's been a turbulent season for I, him. I, I think what's what's best to do with him. I, I think he he should remain as a as a bench player at the minute. Um, but one of the first bench players that is used, and I think once he comes on and actually impacts proceedings mm. by posting a goal or an assist or or doing something that really stands out, just produces moments. I think considering his age, I think you have to then you almost use that momentum. And mm. if, if you can't start him in the next match after that, um, and and see how it goes from there. But I think you need to. I think he's he maybe needs building up a little bit. Um, obviously, I'm you know I'm a Liverpool fan. I'll I'll speak from the perspective of say for example, a Divock Origi. Mm. He was behind the scenes. We tried to sell him. I think he didn't really go. He obviously came on eventually for the Merseyside derby mm. and headed in off the off the bar. But up until that point, he played virtually no part in that season. Mm. Um, he always felt like for me when he when Liverpool put him on, it was a last resort kind of. We ran out of options a little bit. Yeah, that yeah, uh, that was my perspective as well. It was never a good sign when he came on because mm. it was, from my perspective, it looked like th- this is the option that we use whenever we're, we're out of ideas. Mm. Um, but I think Klopp seemed to like really cleverly use the momentum that he will have gained mm. from that, and I think he started him in the next match, and you know he's now signed a new deal, and he's now like you know maybe the 
the fifth choice attacker behind the usual front three in Shaqiri, maybe, yeah. but he's, be, he's became useful, and th- I think Keane can become beyond useful for Everton. Yeah. He's just got to be... Built up right. Yeah, under your wing, mm. sort of thing. But I think if you send him out on loan, you're almost sending a message to him that, like, listen, we've accepted defeat already. Yeah. We already know you're not the man. Yeah. And I, I just don't think it's a healthy thing to do. Yeah, no. I uh, For what it's worth, I agree. I think the, the manager coming in is a good news for him. I think people around Keane will be saying you've got... You've got Ancelotti coming in here, you know, an Italian hero, really. Um, you know, probably someone that he's not looked up to, but certainly he'll be a big manager for him. So I, I imagine it'll just be just stick it out for now and hopefully he'll turn the corner. The, the fact he speaks the language, uh, the same language as Ancelotti, is, is massive. Yeah. That, that, that's a big, big help for him. Mm. That. So, you know, hopefully we'll see improvements. Just uh, something that we were going to touch on, so I've just dropped this on you, sorry mate, but it's, uh, it is a play that we like, which is why I just want to bring it on quickly, but Awobi's had a, a few bad games recently, um, and people are already branding him as, you know how it is, <laughs> suddenly he's a waste of money, you know, he's rubbish, um, this and that. He's not, is he? <laughs> no, he's... just confirm he isn't. No, I think he's a useful player. I think he's, again, another one who's perhaps beyond useful. Yeah. Uh, just searching his age. He's 23. Mm. Um, and we spoke a couple of weeks ago on just how he needs to be used. He, he, I don't think he's the type of player that you can, you know, depend on to... I don't think you can present him with a goal-scoring role. Mm. I think if you present him with everything before that, he'll be able to contribute effectively. Mm. I think if you, if his main instruction is to basically progress the ball, advance Everton into the final third, and things like that, I think he will be useful. I think he'll be he'll be a valuable player. Yeah. But I know it, it depends how he's being used and and things like that. And I don't I don't think he's particularly suited either to completely relinqu- relinqu- relinquishing possession as Everton are doing at the minute. Mm. I think he like yeah. I think he likes to. You know, intricate, intricate uh, football. You know, combinations with other players, and then you can, you know, use that to then <coughs> occasionally then dribble off. You know, just drive forward. And I think, um, I think he has struggled a little bit in the formation recently. And also, he's getting, we've basically said, haven't we? We don't think he's an, an actual wide player. I think he's just he's better as a as a ten type, maybe yeah. an ace or something. Yeah, uh, or like maybe I don't know, an inverted wide player who's yeah. inclined to cut inside centrally, but. I think he he's the man who you almost want to be posting the the, the second assist. Mm. Do you see what I mean? The, yeah. the assist before the actual assist. Mm. That's where he's going to be a useful player. Yeah. But to be playing a role like that, you have to be surrounded by the player that can fulfil the other roles. So yeah. In short, we he'll be he, he, don't write him off. I think he's still going to be a really good player, especially as the team hopefully gets built um, and better personnel come around him. I think he can be a good player. Um, so. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on because we spoke about Ancelotti last week. Now, in that conversation, we were we weren't dismissive, were we? Because obviously, we acknowledged he was a exciting appointment to an extent, but we've both kind of spoke about how it should maybe be something a little bit more long term, uh, more like laying foundation for a legacy. You know, yeah, sustainable, sustainable. Yeah. Um, I think that was maybe more what we focused on and how Everton could be getting it wrong there. That being said, Ancelotti looks like he's going to be appointed and I must say, <coughs> I thought a lot about it over the last week and I am fully on board with it now. Um, 
just because there's a, there's a few things that I think he'll definitely bring um, that Everton need and will benefit from. Uh, when, you, when you say fully on board, fully, fully on board, do you, do you mean? I still, so if you was to take over now, you'd, you'd stick with the appointment and go through with it? Uh, that's a different <laughs> question. Okay, I would now, yeah. I would now. As I said, if it was if it was a month ago or a few weeks ago, I think Everton could have went down a different path, but they've gone down this one now and that's how it is. Um, and I am, yeah. No, I am actually on board with it. Now I am because um, I think fans are excited. Fans are on board. And I think that's really important um, because... You're not swimming against the tide early on, like I think other ma- Everton managers have been. Um, this is the first manager, can, except for people in kind of, I don't want to say our circles because it makes us sound like losers, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just people who kind of take an interest in football on a deeper level. Yeah. Barring those people, I think everybody's fully excited about disappointment because he's a big name. Um, I think he's. He's going to give a lift to the dressing room, you know, for a lot of these players. This will be the biggest manager they've ever played for. I think he's going to be a draw to the club. I think he, he's going to put Everton on the map for a lot of countries, really. Not that I, I'm sure most people know who Everton are, but there will be a lot of interest that Ancelotti's gone to Everton. Um, he's a good tactician. He's a really good man manager, which I think this side need because they can be a little bit soft sometimes. Need the arm around the shoulder and. You know, I think there's there is plenty of positives um, to take. Don't know what you think. Yeah, I mean, I, I have expressed my views in terms of just what I would like Everton to do as a club, mm. how I would want the um, the managerial appointment to work, and how I think Everton need to start to build upon what is going to continue, what what the what the sporting director is going to. Continue for years and years to come beyond the manager and, and things like that, and like, ident- like the foundations. Yeah, and identity start to rebuild if you like, and start to gradually progress every single year, mm. so that every single season, no matter what, you're posting about a seven out of ten performance mm. rather than occasionally having transition years whereby you you're a mess, and then it takes next year to get back on track, mm. and then you're a mess again. So, but I, I know what you're saying in terms of Ancelotti. He, he certainly, obviously, has got positives. Um, he's obviously got status in the game draws mm. a lot of attention to Everton as a club um, he'll demand respect within the dressing room to the extent that we just mentioned about Keane and being whether he's a coachable player if you're getting coached by a figure like Ancelotti and you're not taking that in mm. you're not going to make yeah, it you've got, issues, you're, yeah. Yeah, you've got issues so you're not going to get beyond beyond the, the level of respect that Ancelotti's going to demand. Mm. Um, I do think he'll help significantly regarding attracting potential signings. Yeah. Obviously, when, when you say you want, I want to play under Pep Guardiola or whatever, I think Ancelotti has a degree of that to, yeah, to his name. Obviously, on European Cups and things like that. And I think what you mentioned there, and you mentioned it to me earlier, I think you made a good point on. It, it shouldn't really matter, but it, it does. The, f- the fan base has to be satisfied with the appointments. The fan base has to be on board with it so that the manager is given a really good start mm. and a good foundation to build on. If he's already starting on the back foot, he's almost doomed to fail to an extent. Well, if you lose two or three games, which can't happen in a competitive league, like the Premier League, when you're not one of the top elite sides in the division, you know you don't want to be people to be calling for your head, do you? Yeah, exactly. It, then it becomes an impossible job, which so I don't think will happen with Ancelotti. Yeah, exactly. So I think that the fan base, the, the fact that the fan base are on board with it, 
at least gives him the opportunity to to do the whole alignment from top to bottom thing mm. that Ferguson has managed to get. I think that's what Klopp's done really well. I think don't get me wrong, Klopp is a very very clever football man, but he just he 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 just also he just he's, he works the fans so well as well as everyone pulling in the right direction. I think that's part of why Liverpool is so successful. Yeah, that's one thing I've learned since we since we Liverpool appointed Klopp. I've learned how how valuable it can be to get everyone singing the same song, mm. sort of thing. Yeah. And I, what, I, what I mean by that is the players representing on the pitch what the manager values, mm. and the manager sending down messages to the players of basically what the supporters value. Yeah. And if you get that alignment, it really does. You do become a force. Yeah. And you you have to defeat more than just. The eleven players on the pitch to mm. actually win a match, and that's that's Hence genuine. Why, I think Ancelotti could do with Everton. Yeah, uh, um. I mean, you know, beyond that, Ancelotti's obviously very good with people, speaks various languages, um, and has worked under a director of football a couple of times. So, yeah, which was confirmed to us this week. <laughs> yeah, uh, so there's the, the, the plenty of positives there, of course. There is, but it's it's just that fear that. Everton could be in a very, very similar situation in three years' time, and it's it, you just you don't want that. If you're going to eradicate those transition years, mm. we're, re- we're rebuilding sort of thing, then do it. Yeah, and appointing the sixty-year-old Ancelotti, who's not got a specific brand of football, he's more. Well, that's basically why Chelsea sacked him, wasn't it? You know, if you think about it, he won the FA Cup League at Chelsea, finished second, and still got sacked, and um. Chelsea's hierarchy said, you know, he hasn't really got. They, they wanted a staple or the brand. Now, obviously, you have to take anything with a pinch of salt with Chelsea because they've, they've done that about eight managers since. But that is important. And honestly, I, I do I do expect Everton to be in another transition phase in a couple of years. The only thing that. The only, if, if, obviously, we're trying to focus on positives here. And I think if he could manage to get them as a, a top six side in that time, which isn't impossible, really. If he manages to solidify them as a top six side and he manages to lift an FA Cup or a League Cup or something, um, brings in some bigger names, you know, it, will he leave a more appealing project for someone than what it is at the moment? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, what will depend on that, I think that'll come a lot down to how good the recruitment is. Mm. I mean, Ancelotti's worked Europe's top club, so mm. hopefully he's got, you know, a degree of insight on. How to how to recruit players, how to do it right, and things like that. Yeah. I'm not sure they'll follow the the sensible route of signing a load of players that are in the same mould in terms of the game that they're willing to execute. Mm. Say, for example, you, you can't really sign um, a Michael Keane and then also sign a Lucas Dean mm. because Lucas Dean is an offensive. Fullback who's mm. going to suit suit to play in a proactive game, let's say. Whereas Michael Keane is a defender that's suited to defending with Everton in front of him and soaking pressure with aerial balls and things like that. So yeah, he doesn't enjoy that side of the game really, Keane, does he? No, if if Ancelotti can, you know, recruit the recruit a similar brand of player mm. over his time at Everton, mm. and that would present the opportunity for the next man to come in to and and take over something that is. You know, a relatively seamless transition, and who can just make his improvements without Everton suffering or whatever. Then you know it won't, it won't be too bad of a thing. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So it's, uh, I said it. It is it. You know, I said 
once I'd come to terms with the fact that Everton were going down this route of maybe something more short term, I accepted that. I mean, there's there's not much better you can get than Ancelotti um, if you're going to do that. So it is an exciting appointment, and um, it'll be an interesting few few months to see how he settles in. Um, he'll be in the stands. I'm led to believe on Saturday when Everton welcome a a very strange Arsenal side. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just God knows what they'll be led to by in the day. Yeah. Well, Captain yeah. That's awesome. it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we presume that it's not going to be Arteta because, as I said, we're recording Thursday. Last night he was with Oxford, so even if he does get announced, I can't see how he's going to lead a side with a, about a day's worth of. No, there's no, there's no way I'd let him take the side if he if he's yet to even take a training session. Yeah, but you, you never know with Arsenal, I suppose, at the minute. Mm. So obviously, I think everybody knows Arsenal have had a bit of a poor season. But I just want to reel off some numbers on Arsenal um, for those who maybe haven't kept a close eye on it. So going into this game, they've won one in twelve, one win in twelve. All competitions, matches. all competitions, yeah. Um, in terms of XG, they rank 11th in the division. They have the fifth worst expected, a uh, fifth worst, I should say, expected goals against in the league. So the fifteenth for expected goals against. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's terrible. You've got the, <laughs> they've got the ninth fewest shots in the league. They've got the third highest number of shots against. I mean, when you take all that consideration. That's a poor side, isn't it? See, if if you look at that in isolation, right, that is about that's about the fifteenth ish best team in the league. I was just about to say, if I said all that to you, blind, you didn't know what I was talking about. What team would you be thinking of? Looking at that, I I was going to say Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, but that, that that's obviously in terms of performance levels. So Arsenal, in terms of performance on the pitch from week to week. After 17 matches, I think it is, are that, basically. Mm. Um, they're obviously getting slightly better results than that because they have above-average players who yeah. can finish chances that others wouldn't, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, 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 their actual process before the results, usually the performance equals the result. Yeah. Um, but with, with Arsenal, because they've got quality players in certain areas that... They're getting out, of, getting out of it in certain moments, but in terms of how well they're coached and the, the performance levels from week to week, Everton are facing, you know, a, a bottom half of the table team yeah. comfortably. There's, there's comfortably ten teams in the Premier League at the minute that are better coached than Arsenal. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just wonder. Do, do you think? Um, do you think he might, if he does get announced, even if he's not going to be in dugout, do you think there'll be a bit of a, a bounce if Arteta does get announced? Uh, possibly, yeah. Mm. Even if it's just a kind of um, a goodbye to Youngberg bounce. Because yeah. at the end of the day, he's a club legend. Yeah. He's obviously, I think, I, I'm inclined to believe he'll stay as well alongside mm. Arteta. I mean, why would he leave? No, yeah. But yeah. I, w- I would expect a bounce. Maybe maybe not an Arteta level bounce if he was in the, in the dressing room. Mm. But, you know, something that Everton should have to deal with, probably. The only good thing I would say, I suppose, the counter is. Everton are going to have Ancelotti there as well, so you know they're going to be in a similar situation where players are going to be in the ground. Yeah, he's going to be there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, which I think does is going to have a big impact. It'd be great, I think, if they left Ferguson lead the game, but potentially um, 
eat my damn, maybe introduce himself before the game, you know, a few words or something. But um, it's an interesting situation, isn't it? For both yeah, teams. I said it, it is really, really strange. It's it's such a difficult game to predict. I think the the, the two clubs are similar as well at the minute in terms of both lacking a bit of direction, both having unbalanced squads mm. that are you know a bit top heavy and or, or, or they've got short term issues or, or things like that that need to be solved. It's um, it's interesting to see how both clubs are going about it. With that in mind, could you could you predict what's what's going to happen? Have you got a score? I think I think any prediction is going to make us look daft. Yeah. Because uh, it's based on very little. Yeah. Um, we have no idea really. But I'm going to say two one Everton. Yeah, I'm also going to back Everton. Um, I think if it was at the Emirates, you know, I'd probably fancy Arsenal to. All things considered, you know, it might go in their favour, but... Yeah. If, if Ferguson goes with the approach he's been using lately against Arsenal, who are just completely lacking compactness mm. from back to front and wide open and, and defenders that are just incapable of coping on their own, mm. I can just see Everton scoring on the break similarly. Where is he? Where, it's at Goodison. At Goodison, yeah. yeah. I can see them scoring on the break similarly to... How do you provoke mistakes from Chelsea mm. and, and things like that? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'm going to go for two on myself, um, which is a positive to end the show on. Um, I don't know what's going to happen over the next few weeks because I'm I'm kind of taking Christmas <laughs> off, which is a bit rare within this industry. Um, but I've got a few days off. We'll try, I think, to get a show in on Christmas Eve, won't we? Yeah. Um, which is just just pure commitment to the cause. So do, do make sure you uh, you tune in because yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming in Christmas Eve on my day off to record the show. But thanks for listening this week. Um, thank you to Josh Williams. No worries, mate. Um, fingers crossed for a good win on Saturday, and we'll chat to you next week. Cheers. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.